0: I have a guest today that uh, I just actually got to spend some time with a few weeks ago at uh, a conference. I got to hear him speak again, and uh, he has uh, he has a fantastic background, uh, but he has a great YouTube channel. He's a, a, a very inspiring public speaker. He's also a Marine. He was a cop, and uh, and I really just want you to get to know him. Scott Medlin, welcome to the show.
1: Oh well, thank you, Betsy. I appreciate that, and I'm honored to be on the show.
0: So, first of all, you were a United States Marine, and I always have to uh, point out the fact that my oldest son was a Navy corpsman. So uh, my, right kid, with us. my kid my kids saved your people. So I Absolutely. always have to point that out. But we appreciate your service. Um, talk about the Marine Corps, and then how you made the jump into police work.
1: Absolutely, I went to Paris Island, South Carolina, for boot camp like five days after graduating high school <laughs> and, and so that was my senior week down there and that that place is often referred to as the land that god forgot so anyway uh i went there june july and august i know perfect time of year to be down there in south carolina by the beach i mean talk about the whole tear someone down build them back up i i mean it, it was quite an experience uh, And then I graduated. But then my first day back reporting in for Marine Corps combat training was September 11th, 2001. So right then and there, I realized, I mean, we had been in peacetime, at least the majority of the military, you know, operating in a peacetime thing for for several years prior to that. I had a plan to go to college and then eventually earn my way to the commissioned ranks in the Marine Corps. But I remember September 11th, while myself and a few other Marines just stared at the TV in total shock and sadness, like the rest of the country did for those watching it on TV and not actually at the sites where the attacks occurred, I remember calling my dad and just saying, at some point, I'm going to go to war somewhere. I don't know where, but I will. And eventually in 2003 and 2005, I was deployed to Iraq. So two deployments there. And uh, when I got home from the second deployment, I really wasn't doing too well. Uh, There was an incident incident that I was lucky to get out of alive, and I just kept playing it over and over again in my head. And that was like my first exposure to post-traumatic stress to which a lot of veterans and law enforcement can face. Uh, But at that point, when I got home, I started dating my now wife, and they were talking about sending us back a third time uh, around 2007. And she said, I won't be able to handle that. So my time to get out was there, and I, I got out and then finished college and went into law enforcement in 2007.
0: Why a career in police work? You know, you you could have gone into, you know, all kinds of other less stressful things. But what drew you to law enforcement?
1: You're right. I could have done something else, but the calling was just too powerful. I really felt called to do it. I, I remember as a little kid, I was waiting in the car on my mom to bring my brothers and I somewhere. And I looked up the street and there was a guy walking house to house. Standing right up the right up at the doors when he knocked on the doors, and he was also looking into windows, not right up to them, but he was trying to look in windows. And I lived in a small neighborhood where everyone knew each other. That guy didn't live in the neighborhood. I was getting really concerned, and my mom eventually came out to the garage, and I pointed the guy out to her. She said, "Oh, I need to call your dad." So dad said, "No, call the police, not me." And I, you know, Betsy, I remember just this feeling of, I want the police to get here now to protect me and my mom and my brothers. And that's just kind of what planted the seed. Uh, Just this feeling of when the police were around, I felt safe. And when I was 15, I talked to a recruiter at a career fair in the high school that I attended, and he spoke to me about police work. And I did a ride along two years later at 17 years old when I was eligible and I was sold. (laughs) So there was no going back even after the Marines. I wanted to work in law enforcement and and that that was that was all she wrote.
0: <laughs> it really is a mission, isn't it? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it was amazing. It's almost like God slapped me in the back of the head and said, "You're doing this."
0: <laughs> so you did that, and uh, you know, you went to the police academy, became a cop. Um, talk a little bit about your experiences as a police officer.
1: Well, I was really blessed to get sworn in at the hometown where I grew up, and I worked in the patrol district in the area where I grew up. So I knew a lot of people, but it was also one of the busiest districts in the city. So talk about learn having to learn really fast by, well, for lack of a better phrase, like hands-on experience. Like, like I mean, just, I mean, I was in the thick of it. So I had to learn really quick, but um, I really uh, enjoyed the job, but I made a really bad mistake my first year. I let a group of negative officers negatively influence me and I quit a little after a year of working there, having dreamed of working there for years prior. And I went to a different department. Now, fortunately after realizing the total error of my ways and that I was negatively influenced and I made a bad negative decision, I begged the hometown department to take me back. And after chewing me out for 90 minutes on an oral board, which I fully deserved, they took me back and I worked there for several years afterwards. Um, it, It, that was the first time that I was that, yeah, I enjoyed the job, but I, I let some negative things about it, get the best of me. And uh, that was a big mistake and I own it to this day.
0: Well, and let's talk about that. Cause I think that had a hand in, in shaping your you know future career and what you do now. And that's not untypical, right? Help people to understand um, how those negative influences. Well, first of all, what those negative influences can see when you're a cop, you know, that day-to-day uh, mm-hmm. stuff that we see, and uh, and how it can negatively impact us if we let it.
1: Oh, absolutely. And I wish it was taught to me in the rookie school that our brains are not designed innately to make us happy. They're just not. That, to To be happy, that's a choice you have to make, even if you're in a tough situation, to which obviously we all face tough situations in life. Nobody's immune from that. But our brains seek to conserve energy, and then it seeks out the negative all in an effort to protect us. So when you're exposed to the negativity of the things you can experience on 911 calls, uh, the negativity within the police department, the negativity of the news, all this negativity, it just makes it easier to be a negative person. And certain people who are, um, uh, let's just say, have tendencies of negativity Well, they can't be negative alone. So they got to pull people in with them and complain and complain and complain about everything. And there were some people when I got when I started my first year, I was having a blast out there. A lot of self-initiated police activity work that I was doing. And I mean, some of them were mad that I was happy. (laughs) So I was new and I thought, well, maybe I should listen to them. I mean, it was a big mistake. It really was. When I came back to the hometown department after being gone for eight months, I didn't let the negative crowd get the best of me again. I'm not saying I didn't complain or get sucked into the gossip wheel from time to time, but overall, my perspective
0: had changed a lot. You know, you bring up such a great point, and I don't think it just happens in in the law enforcement and first responder professions, but everybody, especially now when we're so inundated with negative news, negative stuff on social media, um, you have to really work hard to be happy, don't you?
1: Well, you, you absolutely do. And even if you're going through a hard time, you have to choose to be strong. You just can't let your brain figure it out. It's not going to. And it's it's amazing how powerful our thoughts are. And they, I, like I said, I wish they would have taught this to me in the rookie school because if you think about a 911 call that really bothered you and then you're essentially reliving it, what comes with that thought? Emotions. And what drives our actions, emotions, and what drives the results we get in life, our actions based on how we are emotionally. And and this is stuff I, I had to learn the hard way, but, uh, you know, it's, it's huge. And it's just way too easy to let the negativity just pull you in. And nobody's immune from that. Nobody.
0: Well, and so now you make a living, uh, trying to help first responders understand, um, understand their own mental health, understand what they can do about it. Because very often um, when a a cop or a first responder uh, starts spiraling downward, if you will, with just letting the negative part of life consume us, um, by the time we figure that out, very often we're in pretty deep, aren't we?
1: We are. It can sneak up on you. It did with me. And then when I when I went to that other department and realized the error, I mean that that was after I had already made a bad mistake. Uh, fast forward several years later, when I was working in Canine, I let that job consume me, and I I just I let it become my identity. My wife and I were growing apart, and she got to a point where she uh, we were riding down the road one day with our one-year-old son at the time in the back seat of the car, and she looked at me and she said, "I'm thinking about doing this on my own." And I mean it hit me. I was like, oh my gosh, it, it got this bad. And I mean, if you're I wasn't careful. I just, I thought I was fine and things weren't fine. But it was just the 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 negativity and the stress, demands, and trauma of the job that I was going through, I just didn't take care of what was between the ears. I just believed, well, I'm fine. <laughs> Everyone else must be the problem.
0: So what corrective measures did you take personally that led you to what you're doing now?
1: I had to make the very tough decision to resign from the canine unit. And uh, the dog went to a new handler. And that was really, really hard on me. Uh, For about a year, I battled resentment and depression because I didn't know who I was anymore. I just, I was the canine officer. At least I thought I was. But then that was around 2017. In 2020, after being on the job for 13 years, that's when I learned for the first time that police officers were statistically more likely to die by suicide than actually getting killed out on the street. And that bothered me. I'm not saying it was something new like that. has been happening, but I didn't know about it until 13 years in. And that enraged me. I, th- I thought to myself, you mean all these mental health struggles I've, I've, i battled through even an addiction at two years into the career, uh, all this stuff. And I thought I was the only one. And statistically speaking, I was more of a threat to myself and my friends out there, they're more of a threat to themselves. And, and nobody brought that up. So I said, "That's it. I'm diving into this fight because I see the morale challenges. I mean, I was still working full time in 2020. That was a very tough year, and uh, and I was just like, we don't have to be miserable. And if you are at a point where you're thinking about, I mean, at the very case, at the very worst case, taking your own life, like there's ways out of it. And so I, I wrote my first book, and I just started speaking and sharing my story, and
0: I haven't looked back." So talk about, talk about writing that first book, um, you know, because to do that, you would really open yourself up, didn't you?
1: Oh yeah. I had to get out of my own way and drop some ego and say, all right, let's be honest about how I was and tell other police officers about it. And then also do some research to make it, make the the mental health aspect more practical. I'm not saying I'm a mental health professional by any means, uh, but anyone can do some research and darn do darn good uh, thorough research. And help others through the relaying of the information. But I never dreamed of, I mean, prior to writing the book, I I didn't have like this aspiration of being an author one day. It's just whenever I found out just how bad it was for us statistically, I thought, what can I do to help? And I mean, this thought occurred, just write a book. It was was almost like, where'd that thought come from? (laughs) But uh, I, I acted on it. And that's, that's really what the difference can be with a lot of us in our lives. It's just, you have these thoughts and you have the things you know you should do that absolutely you, have, you actually have to do. And then you need to act on it rather than just think about it. So I, I just started acting on it and wrote that first book up. Well, here it is right here, A Mental Health Fight of the Heroes in Blue.
0: And I'll tell you, the National Police Association, we've done polling with the Rasmussen organization. And we found that most people care about police officer mental health it was extraordinary just normal citizens are concerned they see sometimes i think they see better than we do how this job affects our health especially in a post 2020 world so you know scott we hear this this term post-traumatic stress thrown around you know we've been hearing it for 40 years since the vietnam war um Mm -hmm. 50 years and uh help people to understand what that means for your average cop
1: yeah it's it's like it sounds post traumatic stress as in the stress can occur after it, like after an incident, whether you see a deceased child or have to investigate a horrific crime that a child's a victim or you were in a very dangerous fight for your life, and these images and these uh the fight and the processes just run rampant in your mind and you think about them. And then uh, there's just a a very bad reaction to something that was critical that your brain never wants you to be a part of in the first place. And uh, yeah, it can have severe effects of uh, uh, hypervigilance, irritability, paranoia, negative thought patterns, inability to sleep. But the thing is with law enforcement, you might think you're okay. And then all of a sudden two, three, four, or more years down the road, you're, you're irritable. And you're and you find yourself not interacting with the public as, as nice as you used to, or people are coming up to people that you know and hang out with or, or love in your family are saying, You
0: don't enjoy what you used to, what's going on? And it's just it can be stuff like that. Very often we end up giving up the things that gave us the most pleasure, don't we? I you know, as, as Dr. Kevin Gilmar calls it, you're used to, I used to do this, I used to do that. And and we literally become the job. And we're not a lot of fun to come home to, are we? No. And I, I, you know, I always
1: remember the veteran officers telling me when I was new, you know, don't bring the job home. So I wouldn't talk about what I did during the day. I wouldn't do it at all. But from the time I would go from dealing with habitual felons to the, to the trip home and, and walk in the door my body and mind were still in cop mode and hadn't fully relaxed yet and yeah i'd came home irritable plenty of times and i remember one time my wife just said stop bringing that stuff home with you i've had it but of course i thought well that you know i'm i'm fine that's the three most damaging words a police officer can say is i am fine and here's here's what i'd like to say if i may uh to anyone who actually is doing well like police or anyone doing well in life uh, getting through life is one thing but considering that none of us can be perfect to really be how we ought to be in life we need to continuously grow as people and i know law enforcement in particular we're just stuck in this survival mode let me survive the shift survive life survive the career and then i'll all, i'll just be happy when i retire <laughs> if you get there that kind of thing you know, It can't be that way we got to grow as people
0: yeah you're absolutely right so you're you have a great youtube channel called the 10 code mindset and uh tell us where you came up with that
1: well i knew 10 code would scream police just you know, police officers would say oh 10 code are we talking 10 codes or at least a lot still do uh but mindset in the sense of let's try to change the thinking around this uh we're, we're, we can't keep embracing alcohol as a coping mechanism we can't keep talking negative we can't keep thinking survival techniques i mean i'm not talking like tactics and fighting i'm talking just in life in general. Um, let's, let's start to shift our mindset to more of a thriving mentality where even if we're going through challenging times, like the police officers now who are facing such anti-police sentiment that I don't think has been seen before they can, I'm not saying, uh, it'll be all happy, positive feelings all the time, but at least you'll say, you know what, there's significance to what I can do to still help others And this can make me stronger if I choose to take whatever steps needed to make me stronger mentally up here uh, to do such thing. Thus, in turn, it improves their performance uh, when interacting with the public and responding to calls.
0: So when you are talking to first responders um, about improving their own lives and improving their own mindset, um, what are some of the things that you emphasize?
1: Well, the, the very first thing I tell them is... You're a human. Please accept that <laughs> because a lot. Well, I already said I am fine, but a lot just think that the job doesn't take as much of a toll as it can. Like nobody is immune. And even if you've been doing fine, all it takes is that one call to throw your nervous system and your body all out of equilibrium. And you might not know it for a while that you're still messed up from thoughts that have been buried deep in your mind or memories. And all of a sudden, something can happen and you get triggered. And you go into a very bad place. The next thing you know, you're drinking just or drinking alcohol, maybe, or doing impulsive spending all to get rid of this bad emotion you're feeling, but that's not working. Uh, so I tell them, like, you're a human, accept it, please. And then I and then I teach them about inner awareness, because I think overall, you and I can agree that police are uh, pretty well trained, especially with time and experience and and more training as you're going through. Uh, to recognize external risks and address external threats if they present themselves and the officers are more than willing to act at least they should be uh, but are we overall trained on recognizing internal risks and and threats that can occur within our minds and our bodies like when i when i worked uh, in law enforcement i mean 5 7 years into the career i remember i would go out with my wife and our friends and and i was just so busy watching everybody Else at the place, like wherever we were. And my wife would be like, Hey, are are you with us? Come on, have some fun. But of course, what did I tell her? I'm just being aware of who's around me. At least I'm aware. No, it was a state of hypervigilance. It was horrible for me. Uh stuff like that. I wasn't aware of it. And uh, so I so I tell them, I say, acknowledge you're human, raise your awareness. And then three, when it comes down to it, nobody's coming to save you. You're the one that has to take action. And the thing is, when you take action, as I've, re- as I've said before, s- things on the outside might not change, but the fact you're perceiving them differently because of the actions you're taking to strengthen your mind and your body, because physical fitness plays a part in mental health as well, you become a lot stronger and you can put significance to an event and meaning to it and say, you know what, there's there's something I can make out of this. That's what I had to do when I resigned from Canine. I said, I got to make something out of this. I can't just wallow in my sorrows all day. Uh, so it's basically acknowledgement, awareness, and action.
0: You have to take it. Why do cops very often get so immersed in alcohol use to the point of abuse? It's so common in our profession. Um, why does that happen, and what can we do about it?
1: Well, it's it's just accepted as a quote coping mechanism. It's not a quote. It's not a coping me- mechanism, but also we as humans really lean towards what's easy. What's what gives an instant, uh, instant feeling of quote pleasure? Alcohol does that. It's a quick release, but it's not healthy by any means. And I'm not saying I'm never drank. And I, I tell cops like I'm not saying don't drink ever. That's your choice. But please don't ever use it to cope. It's not healthy at all.
0: Yeah, that that is incredibly well said. Um, so Scott, you travel around the country and you speak, and you have this uh, a terrific YouTube channel and all that. Where can people find you, your videos, uh, your website, your social media, all that stuff.
1: Yeah, just my website, thescottmedlin.com. It has a link to uh, my podcast, how to get in touch with me if you want me to come present at your training event or conference, but also the the YouTube channel to which it's getting closer to a million views now, uh, uh, the 10 Code Mindset. And uh, I, I really appreciate you letting me come on and talk on the show. But yeah, to everyone out there, the, the 10 Code Mindset.
0: Yeah, I'll tell you, you you really are doing uh, God's work out there, uh, not just for thank law you. enforcement, but I really think for the public to help people understand our profession better. So we really appreciate you, Scott, and we thank you so much for coming on the show. And if you would like more information about the National Police Association, visit us at nationalpolice.org. Ma'am, put the gun down! Put the gun down!